Explore Milwaukee's past and its future, one building at a time. This is Urban Spelunking with On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzillo and me, Nate Immig, from 88.9. We are going down to the lakefront this week on Urban Spelunking. In fact, we've been talking about some outdoor spelunkings you can do right now. You don't need a, a special invite or access behind the scenes. You can just go out and spelunk on your own. So talking about Milwaukee's lakefront. And Bobby, as you found out, the lakefront that we see today really looks nothing like it did 150 years ago. Yeah, right. What's interesting to me about it, too, is from a personal standpoint, I've been here 30 plus years um, and it doesn't look like it looked when I moved here in the 1980s. <laughs> yeah, right? I mean, you know, it's it's this is the filling in of the lake along the shore has been going on from uh, at least the 1870s when the railroad started to fill in right along the bottom of the bluff to create a right of way for train tracks. Um, that's that path now that runs along like uh, Lincoln Memorial Drive uh, that people jog on and ride their bikes on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it started by then it had started and it's continued on and off up until now. I mean, even as recently as like the beginning of the 21st century, they built that lake, uh, Lakeshore State Park, right off some, the Summerfest grounds. That island was all landfill from the deep tunnel project. That's not like landfill like garbage. It's landfill like land that was moved to fill in a construction project. Yes, right. A lot of people think when you say landfill, you mean like steaming piles of (laughs) household trash. But no, it was not generally that old. No, although the earliest, um, a lot of the earliest fill with things like ashes and stuff like that, which seems sort of odd because you wouldn't think ash would be a very strong thing to build (laughs) uh, land on. But it was soil rocks ash like all kinds of things like that if you spend any amount of time along right along the lake where it meets the land you'll see um bits and pieces of the landfill that's been used over the last 150 years um you find bricks you find old street pavers um you'll find black top you'll find sections of walls that you know the bricks are still held together by the mortar um, in some spots, you can find old architectural details like uh, columns and capitals uh, off buildings that were torn down. And that's got to be like a perfect uh, like scavenger hunt to go out and see what you can find if you're walking the shores of Lake Michigan and in the parks. Like, um, see if you can find any Cream City brick or pieces of interesting landfill. How how cool? Yeah, and so a lot of that came from, like in the late 50s and into the 60s, a lot of that came from when they were excavating to build the freeways. Um, and then a lot of it came later on from when they were in the 80s and 90s when they were digging the uh, deep tunnel sewer project. A lot of that went to the lakefront, like when they built the um, McKinley Beach and all that, you know, when... Um, in the 80s, the lake used to come right up to the edge of Lincoln Memorial Drive. There was a sidewalk on the east side of Lincoln Memorial Drive, south of North Avenue, but north of where Collectivo is now. The water basically just came right up. Oh, really? Wow. Right up there. And whenever there was a storm, there would be rocks and water on the road. I mean, because it was, if the if the lake was angry that day, my friend, <laughs> it, would, <laughs> it would like throw all this stuff up. Onto the, wa- onto the road, which is why they decided they had to do something about it. So they built that whole, like all that McKinley Beach stuff and that playground and the paths and the little exercise area and all that kind of stuff. That was all built, um, I believe, in the late 1980s. So really the lakefront, I mean, if 
you know, if you're an 80 or 90 year old person, you've seen a whole lot of changes down at the lakefront. Most of that, most of that land that's down there at the bottom of the bluff, not all of it, but most of it was created by man and woman uh, in the last 150 years. I've always kind of wondered about that, you know, like at Summerfest, you look at the the bluff and I actually just went down to Grand Park and was walking there with my dad and you, you see all this, this landfill that was, that was put in there. And it's just thinking about like the architectural or an engineering feat that that must've been. I mean, you look at the beach, McKinley beach, that was, that was really put in and, and um, I don't know, constructed. I don't know if the, what, what yeah. the right word is, yeah. but 1907. Um, so thinking about like trying to tame this, this great lake, this body of water that, that our city is next to that you can see from space yeah. that they were trying to, to kind of define the, the shoreline in, in the late 1800s and early 1900s must have been a, a pretty big undertaking. Yeah, I mean, actually, it was Bradford Beach was created around 1906. The McKinley Beach was was done in the late 1980s. Okay. Uh, oh, really? It's yeah. that new. Okay. It's that new. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. I mean, it's it really we think of it now because it's such a beautiful lakefront. I mean, we haven't spoiled. I mean, the road is there, but beyond that, we haven't really spoiled our lakefront in the way that so many other cities have. Um, yeah. We really. And we can thank the, the socialists for that because they were the ones who created this park system and sort of guaranteed that that lakeshore land would be um, preserved for generations. And, you know, it's been, you know, the, there's been some commercialization down there in terms of building, but I think the city's been really good at trying to be careful not to overdo that and have this have it become, um, and, and as we talked about earlier, some people call that underdevelopment of the lakefront and some people call it... Uh, preservation of the lakefront and i mean to me it's more preservation of the lakefront because once you give up that land to development you're never going to get it back yeah it's all about how you see it right yeah well coming up on the second part of urban spelunking we talked about the landfill how the the early efforts to define the shoreline of of lake michigan um, happened so next we're going to talk about how the road went in in the 1920s how lincoln memorial drive itself took shape back then it's coming up next on urban spelunking Radio Milwaukee is on a mission. And if you're here to discover new perspectives on music in Milwaukee, then you're on a mission too. Join today to support the programming you love. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org and click the orange heart. And we are back at the lakefront of Milwaukee, talking about how this was built in the first place because of course what we see today is not how it was naturally and really the, the lakefront has been in kind of a constant state of change uh, throughout modern history so we talked um, in the first section about the landfill and how the the shoreline was kind of carved out now we're in the 1920s when the road construction lincoln memorial drive itself began construction how did that go? Take us to the beginning of that story when the when the road went in. So the road sort of began. I mean, there was a, a like a temporary road. Like when they built Lake Park in the 1890s, there was sort of. A, I mean, there was a more rustic-y kind of road that sort of followed the path of Lincoln Memorial Drive as it sort of as it curves from Kenwood Boulevard down along the park to Bradford Beach there. Um, but it was never a developed road. It was narrow. Um, it doesn't appear to have been paved. Um, but what happened was at the other end, on the south end in 1923, they built the bridge and we see that a replacement bridge now, but you know, when you go on Mason street where the war memorial is in the art museum, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and it goes down, 
that was the original version of that was built in 1923, and then the road was continued up to where McKinley Park is now. Um, and so they sort of moved slowly <laughs> up. They finished the bridge in 1927, and the stretch of that road up there um, opened to the public that year. Um, and then in 1928, they were had continued acquiring land because a lot of that land along the lake at that point was privately owned, especially up on the north end. So um, they, in order to add Lincoln Memorial Drive to continue it all the way up, they had to get a lot of that land. And one sort of key thing that happened was that a bunch of the landowners got together and made a deal with the city to donate. Yeah, I was going to say when I, when I was reading the story, when, when I first saw that, I was like, well, that... That seems like a, quite the quite the negotiation to give up your lakefront land. Yeah, and I mean, that, right? I mean, these people own this land on the east side, and they gave up their lake frontage. I mean, clearly the most um, valuable part of the land, right, is the lake frontage. Um, so they gave what at the time was a million dollars worth of land, um, which is many millions of dollars now, so that this road can be constructed. And it's, I don't want to be a pessimist, but. <laughs> <laughs> could you imagine this happening now? Like people just willingly, I mean, you could see the government going in and condemning the land uh, for eminent domain and taking the land. But can you imagine like a, like all of the richest folks in Milwaukee sort of coming together and donating their land? It just seems, it seems so counterintuitive to the way people think now, I think, but, but maybe I'm just, maybe I'm not giving people the benefit of the doubt. I don't yeah. I, I don't, I don't think you're alone on that. That seems, out of out of uh, place for the era, for sure. So, what were the conditions like? What, they they surrendered the land, yeah. Yeah. So, the con- I liked the list of conditions that was in the newspaper. It was it was very interesting. Um, the conditions included things like preserving the present sand beach, which was what is now um, Bradford Beach. They prohibited any kind of dumping because they didn't want people to come down there and exactly what it says, dump their trash there. Dump. Right, um, they right. demanded the. Right. Part of the city was uh, part of the deal was the city had to build or rebuild fences between the private lands and their public lands. Um, they presumably just didn't want everybody coming onto their to their land. They banned trucks and parking except for quote unquote sightseeing purposes. I'm not sure what that means exactly. Um, so I guess you could park if you wanted to go down there and take a walk along the lake, but you couldn't park there if you're going to work. I guess. Um, I see. Okay. They had to light the road, and there was a ban on quote-unquote noisy amusements. Okay. Uh, although, although they were, they did allow for um, land to be used for tennis courts, skating, and children's playgrounds. Um, and then my favorite, my favorite rule of all: airplanes could not land there, which seems reasonable. Okay. And bathers, people going into the lake, presumably to swim, must not disport along its banks. So I had to look that up. Uh, a quick Google search revealed disport means enjoy oneself unrestrainedly or frolic. So there will be no frolicking. So you could bathe, but you could not have too much fun. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, so with those rules in place, the city agreed to take this land. Um, and they built this road and it's basically the road we see today. I mean, so, you know, there's been some widening, some changes here and there, but, um, really it follows, it follows the exact same path that it followed back then. Um, 
and it goes up the, the hill just like it used to. And um, right after they built the road, they built a, a pedestrian bridge to go across uh, the road at the beach so people wouldn't have to cross the, the road um, to the beach. Later, that bridge was replaced uh, around 1950 when they built the current bathhouse. Um, but really, I mean, somebody coming back now, there, there would be differences, but somebody who saw it in 1928 would presumably recognize the basic layout of the place. And it's interesting because when they were, of course, you know, politicians, they have to have their, uh, their big talk <laughs> when they're, uh, cutting the ribbon and, uh, some things you know, never this, change, right? Right. And when this thing was, was being unveiled basically to the public, open to the public, they were talking about how they were, it was going to be part of a, uh, a big quote unquote, super highway, a long, smooth, beautiful lakeshore highway for fast traffic that would run all the way from Michigan city, Indiana, all the way up to Sheboygan or even Manitowoc. Um, you know, so they really wanted it to be part of this sort of bigger, uh, system of attractive roads, you know, it would, with beautiful trees, green parkland, the, you know, the lagoon, which was added later. Um, and I mean, it was really meant to just be a, a beautiful place for a drive. And I think it's managed all these years later to continue to be that. Yeah. I mean, I, so I went to UWM as we've talked about, I know you went there as well. I used to take this as uh, from Bayview. That was like, I get off the home bridge, get uh, onto the Lincoln Memorial drive and it takes you right to the front door of UWM. And I just felt like I felt so like wealthy on my like lakefront <laughs> drive going to, going to school. You know, it, yeah. it is such a, <laughs> it's such a beautiful drive and uh, such an unspoiled part of the city. I mean, you look at the lakefront, there's so much room there that, uh, it's still very natural feeling. There's a lot of green space, a lot of trees, a lot of areas to uh, disport <laughs> yeah. and enjoy yourself out there. So there's there's still, I think, uh, it's I you know I guess for just from a personal perspective, I hope that that's kind of how it stays there because it it is uh, you know like you said once once it gets once it becomes concreted and and developed, it, it will stay that way, you know? Yeah, right. I mean, and back when there was a thing such as a commute, that was part of my daily commute. I would go up and down that road at, <laughs> right. at least twice a day. Some days I would walk along the lakefront. Some days I'd run along the lakefront. I mean, as long as I've been in the city, I've been attracted to the lakefront and just there all the time. And and I love it. I mean, it's to me, there's no... It makes a commute <laughs> not a dirty word, you know, when you're spending it on that road, watching the sun come up in the morning. You know, it's just... It's just beautiful. And like you, I agree that, I mean, once you, once you start building buildings in there, they'll just, there's going to be more buildings, right? I mean, it's, it's, there's not going to be an end. So I, I, I think it's good to be, I like that there's some places down there. I like that you can go to Harbor House. I like that you can get, grab a coffee at Colectivo. There's enough stuff down there that's spread out enough that everybody who's down there can access some kind of refreshment, a bathroom if necessary, that kind of thing. But I'd hate to see it get much busier than that in terms of commerce, because then it loses its focus as just being this sort of lakefront jewel of parkland. Just a reminder, too, that these, you know, that everything in Milwaukee has a story. And even the lakefront that, you know, uh, maybe you just walk walk on and drive by, um, it's got this really interesting story. Like, it, it didn't just appear there one day. It was purposely <laughs> built, you know, over over decades and still under construction. So 
Um, really, really fun story and some great pictures as always. You can read Bobby's complete story at radiomilwaukee.org slash podcasts. Podcasts on 88.9 are produced by Kenny Perez. Handcrafted Sonic Inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from your membership and from On Milwaukee. Subscribe to 88.9's podcast. You can do it right there on our website, radiomilwaukee.org or anywhere else that you find your podcasts. And always uh, remember to rate and review. Helps us to get the word out to even more folks. And let us know what you want to be hearing in Urban Spelunking. On Milwaukee's Bobby Tanzilla. Thanks. Thank you, Nate.